Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the editor-in-chief of Housing Wire, and we are tuned in to a nice podcast series we have where we're interviewing several, several HUD executives. Very exciting today to uh, to meet and greet with Irving Dennis, uh, Irv, as, uh, as we call him, and he's joined HUD, and we want to say hello, Irv. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you, Jacob. How are you? And thanks for uh, having me. Great. I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing great. Um, you know, I'm familiar with your work, uh, and uh, you know, I've I've looked you over on LinkedIn. But you have a very unique position in HUD, and uh, why don't you tell our listeners uh, what that is? Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm the chief financial officer of HUD. Um, this is actually my uh, second job since college. I uh, mm-hmm. just completed a full career with Ernst and Young, where I spent uh, 37 years. Uh, with Ernst & Young, I was uh, an audit partner, and, and that means I was signed audit opinions for large global companies. Uh, I was in our large global account group, um, and I was a coordinating partner in some of our uh, flagship uh, accounts. Um, and uh, we hit mandatory retirement age um, with our firm, and I hit that last year. Uh, I was actually scheduled to uh, go teach at Ohio State. My goal in retirement after the firm was to uh, do meaningful work and kind of give back to the community, and, and teaching uh, was uh, fit that criteria. Uh, this opportunity presented itself to be the chief financial officer at HUD, mm-hmm. um, and I realized it was a great opportunity. Uh, it gives me the uh, the ability to apply my skills and my experience and, and do the meaningful work that uh, that's required here. Uh, and I'm uh, so far. I've, I got sworn in on January of, of this year, 2018, uh, and I'm actually the first Senate-confirmed <laughs> CFO that they've had in the position for seven or eight years. So it's uh, been great to do uh, to do uh, work with HUD and and work for the American people and hopefully make a difference. And that and that was what was what drew me personally about your, you know, you, you did work uh, in the private sector for the bulk of your career on paper. Uh, but, but you do, but I'll, I'll, you, a lot of your things, you are involved in your community and you, yes. you, you do, and you are driven to be connected. And it's not just on the educational side, but there's also, uh, there, there's also a lot of uh, diverse kind of interests that you're in music as well as education, et cetera. But, you know, it's, it's just such a strange move. And that's our first question. It's just, you know, after such a storied career at, at, a, at a prestigious firm like Ernst & Young, you know, why did you turn around and, and leave retirement, essentially, to, to go work <laughs> at HUD? What, 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 I mean, something must have driven you into that. Yes, it's, uh, you know, we have a relatively young retirement age within Ernst & Young, and most of the big four have that. Uh, when you sign your partnership agreement in your young 30s, you know, when you turn 60, it seems like it's far away, and that is the mandatory retirement age. And as you get closer to it, you realize you have a lot of energy, you've got, you've got a lot of experience, a lot of skills, and uh, and it's hard to, uh, after you're running hard for 37 years, to, to uh, get off the runway and stop. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I really wanted, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about work, I'm, I'm passionate about doing meaningful, um, meaningful things in my life, and uh, HUD has, uh, you know, you've seen the financial statements, uh, they have uh, nine material weaknesses, and and several significant deficiencies. And one of the secretary's priorities is to help clean up the financial statements. And I've got a strong skill set in my experience to do that. And and uh, that's one of the objectives that brought me aboard. I was excited about the, the opportunity. Uh, I'm excited about the people I'm working with. And this also keeps my mind active why I'm helping uh, in a very important mission. 
Yeah, and that's uh, it's it's interesting the way you, the you know the 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 CPA frames the the issue because when I speak to the secretary, what he refers to as cleaning up financial statements, you know, he would refer to that as protecting the taxpayer from yeah. risk, and that's you know, um, it's essentially what 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 your job is is to is to pour over those details, and it's it's uh, difficult. You know, I don't think people fully appreciate the the size and scope of HUD mm-hmm. and it and its and its congressional charter and its its whole reason for being. I you know. Um, I don't think people fully understand the mission there. So for mm-hmm. someone who has to come in and kind of crunch the numbers, what keeps you grounded in your work? I mean, how do you, how do you, I mean, how do you keep a, you know, a face to, to all of these numbers that you're currently trying to uh, clear up? Yeah. So, you know, I absolutely, what keeps me grounded, you know, I, I believe in the mission. Uh, I, I like working with the, the great compassionate people that are here um, it is large, uh, and I, I very much support the uh, Secretary's agenda of, of promoting self-sufficiency and, as you say, protecting taxpayer funds from fraud, waste, and abuse. And, you know, the financial systems without the leadership of a CFO for several years have deteriorated. Uh, when I evaluate um, companies and entities over the years, and I've worked mm-hmm. on large global companies of, uh, of, you know, the scale and size of, of HUD, uh, I evaluate it on people, process, and technology. That's the number one thing I look at within uh, within a company or any organization. And in order to protect taxpayer funds, you've got to have strong people, you've got to have strong processes, and you have to have strong technology. Uh, our, our, you know, our, you know you, you've seen our budget numbers. There's about $52 billion that run through uh, the, the, the grant programs, if you will. There's money mm-hmm. that comes through for the disaster funds and then the $2 trillion of uh, mortgage insurance guarantee. Uh, and we need to make sure that we have strong processes in place that accurately accounts for that, uh, accurately assess uh, the, the risk around those businesses. And, uh, you know, the taxpayers have a uh, have a, a right to believe that we're doing a good job in, in having the, the processes and the financial discipline and, and infrastructure to make sure that we're ethically accounting for that in, in a wholesome and in a, in, a, uh, in a complete way. One of the uh, one of the questions because we, we we tentatively call this series you know six questions for mm-hmm. six six hot execs but uh, speaking today we're we're hoping to get more than six executives in but sticking to the six questions um, I'm going to hop around on you a little sure. bit uh, because I think that financial discipline is something mm-hmm. you know housing wire is a trade publication and we mm-hmm. go through the financial statements. Uh, and that's the one thing that, you know, people who are invested in companies in terms of um, capital and equity, they look at the financial statements. But the general public as taxpayers, they are invested in HUD as well, and they just don't know right. it. So I have right. to wonder if that is the the area of housing that you're working closely on that the, the public just doesn't, they just don't know that what it, you know, do do you think the public fully understands the financial responsibility to uphold the mission of HUD? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, financial systems and infrastructure are back office uh, things, right? It, does, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't get the, the visibility to the public. And the same in, in the private sector. Um, you know, the shareholders, and in this case, the taxpayers that are stakeholders in, in HUD, uh, shareholders in the private sector, you know, they have the uh, the right to believe that uh, money and funds are being accounted for and spent appropriately. Um, and and hey, we should be uh, <laughs> we shouldn't yeah. be visible in that. Uh, when when things go bad is when uh, when it does get the attention. But the taxpayers have absolutely have the right to believe that 
the financial systems and structures are, are sound and, and appropriately accounting uh, for their money. And uh, like I mentioned, um, my strategic priorities here to focus on the Secretary's agenda of uh, protecting taxpayer funds is to uh, take a look at the people processes, making sure that people have the right tools, the right training, and the right mentoring to, to do their jobs. Uh, taking a look at the IT processes, our IT systems are, are, are dated, they're antiquated, they're old. Uh, they do not share information uh, seamlessly throughout the, uh, the, the, the HUD uh, uh, operations. And that's an area that we're very focused on. We're going to have some exciting news um, about how we're how we are going to uh, improve that over the next uh, couple of years. I have put together a finance transformation plan, um, and I've, I'm sharing that with OMB and Congress. And we are uh, looking to have them help us with resources. Uh, another priority that I've, uh, the Secretary has asked me to put in place and I'm chairing is our agency-wide governance task force. And that's a, uh, we've formed a group of 12 of us, 12 leadership uh, amongst the leadership team, and we're focused on identifying areas of improvement throughout HUD. And those areas are uh, finance transformation, which, which I'm leading, mm -hmm. IT modernization, it's grant modernization, uh, it's doing a risk assessment across HUD, and also focusing on our HR and our procurement systems. Um, that's uh, one of the programs we've put in place, and it's been very successful. It gives us the ability to provide the proper governance uh, throughout HUD, uh, create some transparency and also some accountability. And that's interesting, like the, to me, to me the back office, uh, the back office operations, because that's really the, the engine of any, uh, of, of any effective kind of train. And I think that the current administration has been very clear in the do more with less value. And certainly, right. you know, uh, Secretary Carson with promoting uh, you know, that self-started mentality mm. and stuff definitely falls in lockstep with that. Now, what's, what's so great about this conversation is that, you know, we rarely get to see the people who actually have to deliver these things, you know, and it's, uh, and, and when you mentioned, for example, the, the updating the HR system and the risk assessments, those are very common, you know, private corporation mm -hmm. solutions to problems, but it's not something that's very common. And the previous administration was very quiet on their, mm -hmm. on what they were doing with the inside. And I think, you know, this reveals why is that there wasn't really much being done. You know, there was no, uh, there was no meaningful way to speak to the OMB in Congress and mm -hmm. there was no, you know, efforts to try to, uh, to try to, to reconfigure the way funding is, is spent. And it's, it's, it's just interesting because I think that that is one of the messages and that's one of our questions is, you know, why is it so important to get the message out to the public? I hope I didn't answer it uh, myself there, but I, I'd like to pose it to you. You know, what, you know, why is it so important to get these ideas that HUD is not just working on the finances, but they're updating the IT, you know, that they're updating mm -hmm. the grant program, for example, right. and the risk is sensitive in the way. Why is that so important to get the message out to the public? Well, it's important for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, if, if uh, the public uh, did happen to read the financial statements, which are public, they, you know, it's not a high report card when you have an opinion that talks about material weaknesses and, and disclaimers, which means there's portions of the business that they, they can't uh, audit. But I, I think it's uh, more importantly, it's important to the operations. And when you think of IT modernization and grant modernization, um, these are systems that are going to help us do our job better by getting better data, 
using data analytics, using current IT techniques to to run the business and make decisions. But it's also going to be easier for our stakeholders and our and our customers, if you will, the grantees and the the in the mortgage world, the lenders and the bankers to work with us. Uh, you know, the more that we can help them make their jobs and their lives and their processes easier, that's also very helpful to the to the stakeholders. Um, and I think, you know, when, if we can modernize the IT, which you're right, it is part of the president's management's agenda, we can modernize the grant systems, we can get our financial infrastructure in order, we can get our people educated to today's technology. Um, all that is just going to help us uh, be more efficient and effective in what we do and, and to help the mission, you know, make sure money's getting where it needs to be quickly and efficiently and, um, with, when, and again, within compliance with the laws. And this is a huge task to undertake in a very short time frame, to be honest. So, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's nowhere to go it up. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but if you and, take you a know, look you, you, you say a quick time frame, you know, yeah. the finance transformation framework that I put together, and I've been very clear and transparent with this, that, um, you know, the way we're operating the business now with the infrastructure, there, there's risk and we got to make sure we're monitoring those risks and finance transformation doesn't happen overnight. You know, mm-hmm. I, I put together a plan that's three to five years and, you know, aggressively with the right resources and the right support from Congress and OMB, you know, I think we can aggressively hit three years um, depending on the speed and the source of resources It might take a little bit longer. But I think the most important thing that, um, that uh, the secretaries brought to the agency and and uh, brought me aboard is that we have a framework, we have a plan, and we have a vision. And uh, I'm not sure that vision for, you know, remediation within the infrastructure was was there in the prior administration. And I'm not disparaging people that were here sure. in the past at all. No. It's just, you know, there just wasn't that CFO leadership that's, uh, that we, we have now. Yes, and, and, and there is now, and there's a plan in place. So, you know, let's focus on the positive. I agree with that. Um, and where HUD is going, not where it's been, is a, is a great conversation to have. And I think that the three to five year window is interesting because that's, uh, you know, that, that there, there is potential in that small time frame for uh, vastly different predictive changes in a housing economy. Right. So on one hand, you know, you have the rising interest rate environment, and I'm speaking to a so you're a finance guy, and you have a, the, the rising interest rate environment, uh, affordability, especially at the at the low income level for which yep. the people you seek to serve, is uh, is just not coming along as well as as we would hope, of course. Um, and you tell us what what what's happening on the finance side that is helping address these issues because that three to five years, I mean. You know, Irv, any anything could happen at this point yeah. with, with the economy. We're, we're, we're ten years into to good news in terms of uh, right. not sliding back into a recession, yeah. thankfully. And I know that the current administration is doing a lot to stimulate the the taxpayers, especially from the from the ground up. So, from a finance side, again, uh, how are we? How can we address the the issues of of maintaining stability financially in these next three to five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, you know, from the finance side, I, I'm really thinking of the um, of the infrastructure, and, and you talk about the changes in the housing uh, market and industry, and uh, you know, my mind goes to make sure that we have the right processes and IT systems mm-hmm. um, and people to identify those risks, get in front of the trends, and, and make sure that we're working with stakeholders that um, that we're working with them to make sure that we go through uh, any risk assessment and go through 
any transformational changes that, that may, they may need. From my finance side, it's really a lot of it's uh, just the blocking and tackling of getting the numbers consolidated. You know, there's multiple programs. You've got the uh, FHA and Ginny May uh, and the SNE offices here. And it's a matter of efficiently pulling together all the numbers so they can be accurately accounted for, uh, make sure there's not fraud, waste, and abuse within anywhere within the programs, and make sure that they get reported in the appropriate fashion. So it's, um, you know, the finance side is really a lot of the nuts and bolts of just getting numbers pulled together and making sure there's controls in place. Um, and what you're referring to, I think we, you know, we have great uh, leaders within um, our, our, our programs and within the mortgage world, FHA and Ginny May, to, uh, they have their finger on the pulse of uh, the, the changing trends, if you will, within uh, within the housing and the the mortgage and what we need to do is make sure that we've got the infrastructure support information they need to uh, make meaningful decisions and uh, I think you know it's it's going to be key that everyone remains uh, close to the mission here and I think that it's great that you're getting that financial transformation plan in front of the OMB and Congress but uh, we want to close on a on a interesting note, we got a bit of personal color and that is, you know, 37 years at Ernst and Young. So here you, uh, like you mentioned back in your thirties that you would never have predicted where you'd be in 60 years. I'm assuming that you wouldn't have thought that you'd be the CFO of HUD when you started at Ernst and Young 37 years ago. Exactly. But, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020. Now, mm. what would, what would the CFO of HUD, what advice would the CFO of HUD give to a younger, you know, mm-hmm. nearly 40 years younger, right. Uh, Irv, who is starting at Ernst & Young. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I do speak to a lot of college students, and I have uh, two children that are around 30 years of age. And um, I always tell them, as you get out of college and getting ready to launch your career, they, uh, I want them to think about what do you want to say about yourself when uh, you turn 60? What do you, what do you, what's your life story going to be when you tell your, your children and your grandchildren? And whatever that is, the, you need to, uh, it'll be a great story if you bring passion to whatever you do and try to make a difference in what you do. Um, you need to be ethical um, and you've got to have a very strong moral compass. Um, ethics is uh, number one, it was a cornerstone of our profession with, at mm-hmm. Ernst & Young and it's a cornerstone of everything that I focus on. And I, I know the, the secretary is very passionate about that. Yes. Um, I also would say you've got to embrace change. Um, you know, change is going to happen. It's happening at a rapid pace in today's uh, society with technology, globalization, um, and you've got to you've got to embrace it. You've got to lead it, and in many and you know, and the great ones will create it. Uh, there's always ways to do things different. Uh, and I tell uh, my young students or the students I've uh, talked to and my children that you got to be transparent and truthful. Uh, bad news does not age well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, just the, the more the, the network that you have that helps you with things, um, uh, you know, just, just get it out there and uh, all everything can be cured if it's done in a, in a right and ethical way. And, and I also say, don't be afraid to be impatient. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I, I think it's important to uh, have a vision and act on it quickly and in the right way and um, I, I'm okay when people say, uh, Irv, you're being impatient. And I'm okay with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't uh, see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I will tell you, uh, 
you know, what's uh, working in the private sector versus the government. Uh, I was telling my team the other day that this does require a little more patience because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't control the resources uh, as much in, in the uh, public sector, appropriately so. I mean, uh, you know, the, the money needs to be spent properly within the laws and yeah. you got to go through the, uh, the appropriations process to uh, and, get the resources yeah. that you and, need. Yeah. yeah, and people are people, which is why, again, right. I, I, I mentioned that HR clip that you're working mm-hmm. on is so important because you have some people who have dedicated their lives to housing yeah, some of America's most vulnerable families, and you have to work with them. I mean, you yeah. have to. And, and when, when you say embrace change, that is a good way to put like, okay, uh, modernize your IT, right? That's, yeah, that's tough. Exactly. It's tough for some people who, you know, um, one anecdote I like to say is when you walk into the data analytics firm CoreLogic uh, over here, down here in Texas, in their Texas branch, they actually have a, they actually have a fax machine out in <laughs> front just to remind you know, how people used to work. And, you know, people are still right. using fax machines to, right. to record deeds with the county. So, um, right. you know, it's uh, – it's how do you reach that person, right? It is, yeah. it, is a, it is a tall task. And I hope you're just a little bit more patient with them than yeah. <laughs> people in the private sector. But uh, you yeah, do have to exactly. set a line and, and we do need to get this done. Right. Um, so I, I appreciate your time and helping our readers understand the important work that a CFO has to do at, at institutions such as her. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jacob Gaffney. I'm the Chief of Housing Wire. You've been listening to a great conversation with the CFO of HUD, Irving Dennis. Irving, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for being on our show. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it.